Welcome to Smart Welsh People, Croeso i Pobl Gachliog Cymru. As ever, I'm Dean Burnett. Um, it's been a span of time since I last recorded one of these, because we're still in the lockdown, and, you know, days and hours and the intervals between start to become kind of meaningless after the first week, and it's been about 83 at this point. Or two, I don't know, honestly. As you can probably tell, I'm not at my usual, uh, not at my best right now, I'm uh, a little bit worse away after three nights of very broken sleep due to various family issues and child-related stuff. Um, no, nothing to worry about, but um, it, you know, it's cost me uh, rest and <laughs> recuperation time. So this is going to be a little bit more garbled than normal, and that is saying something. However, today's episode, uh, recorded once again before the lockdown and the uh, coronavirus pandemic really kicked off, so there's no mention of it. Apologies for that. It, it's like a brief glimpse into a parallel timeline at the moment, but here we go, we, we, we'll, we'll get through this. Uh, today's episode is with um, Nikki Grierson, uh, awarded top food blogger in, in Wales uh, by the Wales Online in 2011. Uh, you know, uh, we have many friends in common, as we'll see, and part of me was going to pretend that I uh, I did this with some diligent research on my part, but this is actually um, a good interview because it addresses something I mentioned in the last episode with Dan Thomas about the whole uh, Jay Rayner backlash the social media furore when Jay Rayner, the prominent food critic, came to Cardiff and said Cardiff wasn't especially good for restaurants. Uh, Dan and I had a few jokes about that, but Nikki was actually uh, personally involved in a, in, a, in a very um, surprising way, which I didn't know before before this interview. So I did think about presenting it as some sort of journalistic coup on my part to show how brilliant at research I am. But uh, I, I thought, uh, I don't have the energy to lie about it. So it's just pure fluke on my part that I had this interview lined up as well, which syncs very nicely with the previous one. So, uh, Nikki tells us all about her uh, Italian Welsh heritage. Uh, like, I did always want to get a bit of a cross-cultural thing going on to show how you know, the idea of being Welsh is very far more fluid than the, the usual what how Welsh you want to scale one to ten thing, which I have done before, and I'm not. Uh, I might not keep doing that. I don't know. I think it's perhaps a bit too rigid a constraint now that I've done a few of these. Uh, but you know, now Nikki, uh, Nikki um, tells us about her journey of into food blogging and out again she doesn't really do it at the moment and it's interesting to comment on you know the, the changing landscape of writing media social media and how that influences things the ethics and pros and cons of reviewing things when you're being invited and you know, some food recommendations for cardiff region particularly but a bit further afield and uh, just general life in a multicultural uh welsh steel town and um, guess uh see if you guess which one that is so I'll uh, stop babbling because I, I honestly can't remember what I've just said. So um, here we are, uh, Nikki Grayson. Please enjoy. If it were an oyster, I'd climb my shell on you. Sink to the bottom of the deep. Okay, here again, another episode of Smart Welsh People, here today with Nikki Grayson. That's correct, right? It is, yeah. Yes. Hello. Hello, Nikki. <laughs> this is a weird one for us, because I mentioned it as you came in, but we've known each other for a while. We've had several interactions. Uh, yeah, yeah. You've uh, been a fan of my cat for a while. I've asked you Huge for... Huge fan of your cat. I've asked you for food restaurant recommendations and yeah. so on. We have many friends in common. Yeah. This is the first time we're actually meeting in person. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sure we've met at a friend's birthday party. But, like, you said that, but... but I, I was probably drunk. Yeah, and so, so was I. So, meeting you sober. Yeah, <laughs> as was I, probably, and therefore we don't have no memory of it, and therefore no. I don't think it counts as a meeting. No. Yeah. Like, I hear some people discuss once, can you say you've met a dog if the dog doesn't acknowledge you? Ooh, I don't know why. Really hard, I don't know why it's specifically a dog, but a person. I mean, a cat mm. would ignore you, so... Mm. You can't oh, yeah, they do that anyway. Um, oh, gosh. Like, I used to have a thing where, um, you know, in work thing... I say, have you? Uh, I've communicated with this department, which means I've emailed them. They haven't <laughs> replied, but it sounds like I'm doing something and something's happening. So it buys me a few extra days. Yeah, it helps if you copy as many people in as possible. It's not a bit passive aggressive. I mean, I, I, I've, I've done it many times. <laughs> it depends but depends if you put kind regards at the end of it. Oh god, yeah, that's Ooh. that's work email. <laughs> Defcon three, that isn't it? No. What was it? Did Defcon go up or down? <laughs> Defcon I don't three? know. I don't no. know. We're probably yeah, at yeah. like one at the moment. So <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Smart Welsh People. <laughs> I speculate out loud about things I don't know, clearly. <laughs> ah, marvellous. 
Anyway, so um, oh, I want to get you along because, well, first and foremost, I'm, I've uh, been tapping you up a lot, many times for your uh, your food based knowledge of uh, of. Is it just Cardiff or anywhere, really? Um, basically, I love food. I'm incredibly greedy. Okay. Um, and then in about, ooh, 2006, I started a food blog. Hmm. Um, but stupidly didn't realise I'd started a food blog because blogging wasn't really a thing in 2006. And it was just me on a MySpace page talking about what I'd had for dinner. <laughs> right. and Most people take photos of it these days, whereas yeah, you, did, you, went, you went text. Very nice. This is Old like, school. 14 years ago, so there was no Instagram, there was barely Facebook, there was definitely no Twitter. You know what, that actually, yes, totally, and I, I forget that was a time. You yeah, know, it's, it trying seems to so... take um, food photos on a, like a Samsung flip phone oh, God, with yeah. like one megapixel in yeah. the dark. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it was such a different time. Everything was mushy. <laughs> a lot of mushy food back in the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, accidental food blogging and yeah. If you, write, if you ever write a book, you should call it that. Accidental, Accidental food, blog. food blogging. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so different mm. to food blogging now or food influencing. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. There are still bloggers. I mean, mm. Lots of them will do this. They'll do a podcast. Um, they've got their Instagram pages, but then you see them going out and they might have their ring light and they've got the whole camera set up. Mm. It's, it's very, very, very different to me on my space with a flip phone and <laughs> yeah. um, trying to talk yeah. about uh, I think my first one was having sushi for the first time oh god yeah like, I was actually talking about this the other day like I grew up at a time when like, I must have been like in my teens already but the idea of sushi was just like oh my god can you imagine Ugh, raw fish. Yeah, eating weird. raw yeah. it was like a sort of byword for <laughs> crazy stuff foreign people do you know it's like they eat horses yeah. and it was all along those lines and now it's literally in the tesco's on the corner and you yeah and you can get it in every supermarket mm. and i remember growing up i'm from port albert and we'll probably touch on it later the whole italian mm. connection but i always remember my grandmother saying that when she first came over from italy they'd get a van every couple of months that would deliver like all the olives and the cold meats and everything that she was using. Oh, of course, yeah. And if she wanted olive oil, she had to go to the chemist <laughs> because it <laughs> oh, was yeah. like treatment for you. Yeah, of course, it was, it was a medical thing, and wasn't it? Yeah. She could then, much later on in the 80s, 90s uh, and the noughties, go to her local spa and they've got all this stuff pre-packed. Mm, and she, it just blew her mind. She thought this was amazing. That is quite something. Well, actually, let's, let's go on to that then. So you said you're born in Port Albert. You're born from, in Port Albert. From Port Albert girl, yeah. But you have uh, Italian uh, yes. elements to your to your background. Italian and French. Everybody always forgets the French bit. So the hmm. do the French bit briefly. So that is my father's mother's mother. So my great-grandmother hmm. was born in France. And her parents came over. Her father, so my great-great-grandfather... Uh, opened or helped to open the celluloid works in Port Albert. Okay. He had done similar in France and in Scotland, so was invited down to kind of help set this up and um, basically try and train people up into this new process. So that would have been in about the 19, early 1900s at some point. And then the Italian connection is my mother's family who are from a little region in the south of Italy called Puglia, uh, which is on the heel of Italy. And they came over in 1952. So it's post-war. Mm. Um, the economy in Italy has crashed and trying to rebuild uh, Britain as well after the war. So a uh, notice was put out that basically they, anybody who wanted to come and work and help rebuild Britain, please come over. It's like so <laughs> different to now. Yeah. Um, so Can you my, imagine? Yes. So my grandfather <coughs> took up the call, came over, and then three months later my grandmother came over with my aunt and uncle, who would have been like five and three at the time, hmm. uh, settled in Port Albert, of all places, um, and eight years later my mother came. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. But it, 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 um, it's a known thing, like, that are... That area of Wales has a sort of strong Italian yeah, mix in it. Yeah, so many. Of, I mean, you've only got to go around South Wales and look at the names of the bakeries and the cafes. So mm. names that we're so familiar with now. 
uh, we've got Sabinis, we've got Preshis, uh, you've got uh, the Rabiottis, Fetchies down in Tenby, and you've got all of these kind of chip shops and cafes and market mm. stalls and ice cream parlours, and they're all Italian-owned. Yeah, um, and that's a weird thing, because you grew up, like I did, just seeing these things and not thinking anything of it. No. Think of like, <laughs> oh, that, that's not a Welsh name. <laughs> Why would yeah. I? No, just, just didn't twig. You're a kid, you don't even think in these terms, do you? But... Someone has told me it's to do with the geography, isn't it? Like that area of Italy is like very mountainous, very sort of cool and things like that. And sort of Port Albert, South Wales area, has a sort of similar vibe to it. Yes, so they found it a bit yeah. more. People, when they relocate, they cling to any sort of any familiar thing or mm. any recognisable thing. So it would have been appealing there. So that makes sense. Especially like where my grandfather's from in Toronto, they've actually got a big steamworks there. So if you go well, to Toronto, they talk about uh, the the pollution in Toronto and reading that and mm. thinking about uh, the issues that they have in Port Albert with that. I know that Tata Steele are obviously trying to do lots of work, whether that's working or not, I won't debate. Mm. But yeah, obviously it's it's coastal. Mm, coastal, it's yeah. The south. Massive steelworks. <laughs> um, massive steelworks. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for those yeah. who don't know, the Port Albert Steelworks, I'm told, is the, was the inspiration for Blade Runner. Uh, someone, yes, uh, so it's certainly if you pass it at night, and you'll know when you get to Port Albert because you can smell it, mm-hmm. and it's kind of that quite heavy and sulfurous, and then you'll look across towards the coastline and you'll just see these kind of like jets of flames going up. And think, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. um, like Stumbling that, into Mordor, isn't it? That's Port Albert, yeah. <laughs> I like my father lives in Port Albert. I'm, I'm my stepmother's from there. I have nothing against Port Albert whatsoever, but it's quite a sight. You just... It's quite a sight. It's quite a smell. Mm. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting place to have grown up. It's very, you've got that mix of kind of very industrial. You're on kind of the edge of the valleys, but then you're coastal. Mm. You're not really Swansea. You're not really Cardiff. It's all, it's all like a boundary zone, and those are always a bit more. They have their the own identity. Zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah keep it apart. I'm mean, like I'm from Bridgend, like which people find is equidistant between yes. Cardiff and Swansea. Yeah. So it's like yeah. oh that place. But obviously the the Garo Valley I'm from. I keep saying it's a dead end valley. People think I'm disparaging. No, it's literally a dead end. There's no through road. Yeah, there's nothing <laughs> yeah, past so, that. <laughs> so every truck has to come up, drop them off, and just turn around again, yeah. which, which they hate doing because the roads are from the 1800s. <laughs> like they weren't built for articulated trucks, and it's not a really wide <laughs> place at the best of times. But I think it, it does seem like um, Italian and Welsh students do seem to combine quite well in that some of our big names are, you know, like Catherine Zeta Jones, clearly yes, as Italian, yeah. and um, Joe Calzaghi, our most champion yeah. boxer, very clearly. Calzaghi is not a classic Welsh name, no. I, I would say. So it, it, it just seems to be like a favourable mix, I guess. Um, I think so, and I think that, as I said, there's so many people who came over. There was the first wave who came over, again, in the 1900s, and that's probably more if you go up to the South Wales Valleys and have a look at the cafes there, it's usually that they came over earlier. Hmm. And then there's the second wave, which is us, came over post-war to try and get jobs, basically, <laughs> because... Europe was decimated yeah. and I always remember my grandmother saying that they had the choice between going to America because my grandfather was a prisoner of war and he was actually a prisoner of war held by the Americans because <laughs> okay. we were on mm. the wrong side <laughs> right. um, and they taught him English, they treated him very well, he had friends out there so he's like well we could go to America or we could go to Britain and my grandmother chose Britain because it was closer. <laughs> Pretty much, well, I make every decision. Like I yeah, went to... yeah, she's, I mean, I adore her. We lost her a couple of years ago. But just the thought of you're 30 years old, you've got two children under five, your husband has been gone for three or four months, <laughs> and then just sent you a letter saying, come, we've got a house, <laughs> I've got a job. Because they, were, they weren't flying commercially then, certainly not no. from the south of Italy. So making that journey by rail and boat... Mm. Not being able to speak a word of English and then oh, just God, arriving. Yeah. What the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. What is going on? What's that smell? What's that smell? <laughs> the works. Oh, I, I, um, I know that smell. But I always remember her saying she got off at Port Albert, kids in this packing case, and looked across. And if you get off at Port Albert Station, it's still there now, you'll see the Grand Hotel. Mm, and yes. on the side of the Grand Hotel, there was a big Italian flag because there was an Italian cafe in the Grand Hotel. Because of course there was. <laughs> And she went over, uh, introduced herself, and was like, Do you know my husband, I have no way of getting in touch with him. And yes, yeah, so they phoned up where my grandfather worked, or he 
they got right. And my grandfather very typically said, well, she can wait because <laughs> I'm working. <laughs> very granddad about that. <laughs> so, yeah, she, she just sat in the cafe and ate, drank, fed the kids and whatever. And so my granddad finished work. Okay, then. <laughs> a strangely anticlimactic arrival yeah. story. And, like, oh. and then, yeah, they went to their, their new home. Nice, and obviously here you are. That's here I am. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I, like I've I've often wondered about that because I don't have any, as far as I'm away, um, you know, um, Mediterranean influence my own family. Mm. But it's like it just seems to be it's like the background noise of Wales at this point. It's just it's just something that's there, and it's yeah. not really questioned, I suppose, in a good not way. Really is in it's just part um, of particularly at, like I went to Catholic school in Talbot, um, so everybody pretty much had. Irish surnames, Italian surnames, Maltese surnames. Hmm. Um, so it was, it was, put up as a lot more of a melting pot than people yes. think. A lot of melting goes on there, because <laughs> once again, back to the steelworks. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's a melty place. What a, strange, yeah. what a strange but weirdly nice description of something. Yeah. I will say, it does sound like, you know, back to the food stuff, I mean, Italian and French influence does, uh, oh, I mean, God, yeah. those, those are very <laughs> favourable <laughs> in terms of food appreciation. So yeah, incredibly greedy child growing up. And... <laughs> But also incredibly fussy. So people will kind of look at my Instagram now and like, I, I made something vegan last week and I was very pleased with myself. And my mother fell off her chair because growing up she could not get me to eat a vegetable. <laughs> and trying all the tricks of like hiding it in my food and that didn't work and I just stopped eating everything unless it was beige. And it wasn't really mm. until I moved out and start cooking for myself and this is not disparaging my mother is one of the best cooks i know so mm. it's definitely Same. not her cooking <laughs> i am just a really <clears throat> fussy little mare <laughs> um, but yeah moving out and then moving particularly to i moved to Treforest. didn't end up getting my degree i'm sorry i know this is supposed to be about smart it's people. fine um, i'll have to go degree ended, so. up, ended up actually working at the university and one of my colleagues was Chinese and he his girlfriend was down and they, he, he was like come on I've spoken about you guys all the time come out have food with us and that's how we ended up going out for sushi hmm. and I wrote about it online and some people read it and were like oh this is quite good you should write some more <laughs> uh, so I did and for about two years it was just every so often when I had some money because I was absolutely skint at the time would just go out and just put a little something on about where I'd been, predominantly from my mum, mm. so she knew I was eating <laughs> and not just surviving yeah. on super noodles. Um, Welsh mums really care about that sort of thing. Yeah, and Welsh Italian mums, like seriously, oh God, yeah, every, time double home, every time I go home, she's trying to empty the freezer to give me more stuff, and mm. like, I don't need more food, I have enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, to, to let her know what I was eating, that it wasn't just living on takeaways and mm. um, super noodles. <laughs> I had a similar experience myself. When I was in uni, my mother was, like, I was the first of the family to do A-levels, let alone uni. So she was yeah. very proud, but also very overly aware that, oh, is he eating? Does he have enough for mm. what he needs? So anything the family needed to get rid of, or didn't have that, he might need that. So I ended up with like three microwaves at one point and two fridges <laughs> and... I've got one. I've got a shared house. I've got one room. Yeah. I cannot have any more white goods in this place. I always remember moving into halls of residence up at Treforest and watching somebody open the boot of their car and getting out a tray of pot noodles. But I didn't know these came in trays, so they'd mm. obviously been to like Costco or some kind of cash and carry and just bulk bought twenty four and gone. That'll do you for the next month. <laughs> and it was just the weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah. no, I didn't know that was a thing either. <laughs> no, so it was just really bizarre. But yeah, the the blogging really grew out of where can I eat in Cardiff that's decent for about five ten pounds because I am fairly poor, hmm. and I kind of figured that if I was in that boat, lots of my friends were in that boat. We were in our early twenties. The economy's just crashed. Oh yeah, so yes, that was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. About two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, the economy's died, uh, but we still want to go out and eat food. <laughs> um, Weird that how humans do to eat stuff, yeah, isn't it? But but also just wanting to go out and wanting to like connect with people. So yeah, and from that there was a couple of like little magazine things. There was uh, a website that I wrote. For for, uh, called I Love CF. So this is before I Love's the Diff, mm. who we love. Um, but this was a couple of guys who had an I Love CF 
website and I wrote a few things for them. There was a magazine in Derby of all places okay. um, that wanted somebody to write food stuff. And again, I connected with them on MySpace. And then all of a, all of a sudden it was like, oh, blogging's a thing. And they started to put mm. bloggers meetups in Cardiff. And it all started yeah, <coughs> I spoke of one of those ones. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. I, I spoke at one quite early on. And again, then lots of things seem to happen at the same time. So Wales Online started their kind of your Cardiff, local Cardiff pages. Hmm. Uh, There's a lady called Amy Davis who did the photography project for the arcades at the time. Hmm. There was uh, We Are Cardiff with Fantastic Helia, Phoenix seemed to start at the same time and you had the Guardian website started their Cardiff pages with Hannah Waldron who is amazing and all of these people were just tapping into the local bloggers going share your content let's have something really community collaborative and it wasn't it wasn't nobody was really making money off this it was just because we all loved Cardiff we all thought Cardiff was an amazing vibrant place to live Mm, agreed and yeah and it was just the right time and all these people coming together and I mean it sounds so hipster nonsense now <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like works, 10 years though, later it? but it was just this lovely lovely time in writing where people weren't doing it for a PR firm they weren't doing it for to monetize their blog mm. it was just because some people were just passionate about what they were doing whether that was food whether that was fashion whether that was photography and just putting that out there. That's going, me. This is me. <laughs> now it's all done via your Facebook page it's or your Facebook, Instagram. Your I, I still don't understand what TikTok is, but you probably no, I, have a TikTok. I haven't looked into it because I thought I I'm don't old. need. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> this, that. I'm not a visual person. Though. Like if you if you follow my Instagram feed, you'll see it's most is pictures of the cat. Because know, but he's awesome. Yeah, cats are reliable online <laughs> content generators. Mine especially, as we as we've seen. Um sixty, seventy percent sure my cat knows he's on the internet okay. somehow and is playing up to it. I mean I even when we go to the public, I don't think to take photos of stuff. I'm, I'm very much a Oh no, I am I am that awful person when you work for dinner where I'm just like, like, can you can you just not eat that for a second? And my husband will slide his plate over to me now so that I can take, and I'm very good, I, can, I do it in one shot, I'm not one of these people who will hmm. like stand on a chair and I have to get five angles and get my lamp out. Right. It's just a quick little snap of what I've eaten hmm. and yeah, just just because I really like food and I want to remember what I've eaten. And that's fine. I want to, to make that clear. I have no particular objection to that sort of stuff. Because yeah. people go like, oh, God, another picture of your meal. What the hell is that about? And people like would say stuff like that. I find, oh, well, yeah, good point. Well, let's hear about your gym routine again then, shall we? Let's hear about your <laughs> 17th successive running updates. That's, that's far more fascinating. I, mean, but. I think what a lot of people forget with social media is if you are bored of me talking about food and I'm really into my hair at the moment and a lot of people have taken the mick out of me for that because I'm wearing my hair curly now instead of straightening it. And it's this whole thing. Just unfollow me. Seriously, I don't care. Yeah. There's a button right there. There's a button right there. Yeah. Just mute me. I'm yeah. fine. It's far, it takes far more effort to complain about this than yeah. it does to actually and, just remove I mean, it from your life. But yeah, it's it's all gone a bit weird. But I got to do some incredibly fun things. It was a really fun time. And yeah, I kind of miss those kind of simple Yeah, it's a lot more... Polished. Polished now. Cynical maybe is perhaps the thing. It's like, you know, if anyone's... Yeah. Like, I'm not a fan of the whole influencer thing. It's... Um, its place like if you are Kim Kardashian and you've got millions of followers people with that kind of following yes they are influencers if you have yeah well they are because just because they have that sort of profile that platform I don't mean I still don't know exactly why the Kardashians are as big as they are I don't know but but they're making lots of money yes they totally are hats off Hmm. to them they they have turned nothing into millions and (laughs) It's um, almost alchemy, that, doesn't it? It is. Um, mm. they, they've managed it. They've mm. made this whole career out of it. She could retire tomorrow. She'd never have to work. No, she doesn't have to do anything. Um, it's very, very, very clever. Oh, it's totally clever. I mean, like, But they are influencers just by being that popular. Yes. So they have influenced by but default. But when it's, when it's like, and I have to be 
be really careful now because if I say something, then obviously I have lots of friends who still blog. Mm. I'm not talking about any of you. I love you all, honestly. But there is a line of there was a there's been lots of discussion in blogging about when you are invited along to something mm. and fit, giving favourable reviews, and that it pops up in the news every so often that um, somebody who claims to be an influencer has contacted a brand or they'll turn up at the end of the meal going, I want all of this comped because I've got 50,000 followers on Instagram. And that's that's not cool. That's not no, cool. not at all. That's, that's the thing I was thinking of when I say I'm not a fan of that. But it's to yeah. me, it reminds me of when I was watching a documentary about Big Brother. Remember that was the thing we're talking oh, back God, in the yeah. mid-2000s? I loved the early series of Big Brother mm. because I, I was a sociology nerd at the time. So having this kind of like microcosm of humanity that you could mm. study was amazing. It was a genuine sort of social experiment at the time. Yeah. You know, what happens when you put... 10 random people together yeah. what, you get to see how people work which was mm. but then it's sort of sort of manipulated with ridiculous challenges and finding yeah. the biggest but assholes actually, they could uh, and... like I, I remember in one of the, the very early series of Nasty Nick Boo Hiss mm. and that he he was quite Machiavellian about it and he was like playing people off against each other possibly because he was just bored <laughs> yeah. because you're in somewhere there's no TV there's no there's nothing really to read there's nothing really to do mm. um for however long you're in the Big Brother house, apart from these stupid tasks, so he was just like poking people for fun, and it's so tame compared to the later series yeah. where they're properly fame hungry by that point. And... Or, or just the world we have now, essentially. You, you, yeah. would, you wouldn't stand up at all in the modern media. Oh God, no, no. <clears throat> you're just like everyday Nick. That's what they call him yeah. now. <laughs> but it's um. I remember with a, I was in uni with my mates and just watching a documentary about Big Brother, how they go through the process, like all these people who audition, and they followed some people who auditioned and didn't get in. Mm-hmm. And there was this one girl who was going on there and she was very indicative of the type of people they get. And she was like, maybe 1920s, like she was yeah. saying, I'm just going to be famous. I really need to be famous. I'm going to yeah. be famous. She auditioned Big Brother and afterwards she didn't get in. She's like, it doesn't matter. I'm definitely going to be famous. I know this. I know it in my heart. I, this is my destiny. All that sort of crap. But... And you see it on like <clears throat> X Factor and they go, but I'm ready. Yeah. Like they've been training for this all their lives and they're ready and somebody hasn't given them their shot and that's all they need is their big break. That's a different thing because they're actually doing something. It was her thing. She said, I want to be famous. But she never said what, what for. Just what like, for, yeah. I want to be famous for existing. And to me, the people who aspire or work towards being an influencer, that has echoes of that to me as in, yeah. I want to influence other people. But who are you? Why should people be influenced by you? What do you offer? Most people don't have a good answer to that. It's just, I take vaguely interesting photos. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's almost, some of it has almost become marketing. Oh, it, it totally the, is, the, yeah. The lines between what is blogging and what is PR influencing, whatever you want to call it, is so blurry now. Mm. And this is the part of the reason that I stopped because I'm no good at this. And Unfortunately, some of it's become quite formulaic in how it's written. There are very, very few blogs that I read now, and normally I read them because I find them quite funny, I find them quite interesting. It might not even be a restaurant I will ever go to because Mm. it's the opposite end of the country, or it's very expensive. But because that person is witty and engaging, or it's not even necessarily about the photos anymore, it's just that getting back to that kind of how they work with words. Yeah, good writing is good writing, yeah. especially the subject you care about. Mm. And that's really, that's, I think that was what blogging offered. It, it was a yes. case of, yeah. here's someone who's good at this, just put it out there, you can read it or not. And Yeah, and I think that, especially if you look at where national newspapers are reviewing, it's predominantly London-centric. Absolutely, yeah. Um, if they venture out to the sticks, we all get terribly excited Hmm. Um, but predominantly London centric so I'm not saying that blogging is journalism but good blogging can Hmm. it can start to fill that void where local press haven't got the budget to go out and review all these places national media is not interested and it's kind of that halfway house of well what is the place around the corner for me yeah actually like? absolutely well like i fell into that bracket myself because i did the guardian for like seven years and <laughs> people were like are you a journalist or bloggers i don't know i don't know i'm both <laughs> yeah. neither i'm covering know. the science stories no one else talks about <laughs> in weird ways that no one else tries so like yeah. that, that's just what i do so um can't knock it that's why i'm get to do all this sort of stuff yeah. now but it, it's it's a very 
it didn't fit, or it still doesn't really fit any sort of the well-known categories of, or, or the hierarchy of media. No. And it's really quite interesting to see where it's going. Podcasting is basically the, the audio version, I suppose, of um, of like your blogging, mm. and that you can just put it out there, people like it or not. But it also covers lots of or fills lots of gaps, which you know, mainstream platforms don't tend to look into. They don't have the time or budget. But no. there, there's that. Oh, speaking of actually, were you? Uh, did you have any sort of insight or any take on the whole Jay Rayner thing a few months back when he... Oh, gosh, right. I'm right. going to out myself. Now, okay. Um, because Jay Rayner came down to Cardiff, if you don't yes. know. So Jay Rayner... Yeah, explain is... this to me, because I mentioned it briefly in another podcast, oh, yes. but I don't think I explained yeah. it clearly at all. So Jay is obviously fantastic. Uh, mm. Food critic for The Guardian. He came down to Cardiff and reviewed a restaurant called The Classroom. So the classroom is based at Cardiff and Vale College, and I know this because I worked at Cardiff and Vale <laughs> College at the time, and I actually used to run the social media for the classroom. <laughs> right, okay. Um, I wasn't working in PR. My boss knew that I wrote about food. She knew that we had this restaurant opening. She knew that Twitter was a good thing, and gave a, gave me a, a go at it, really, to mm. run the social media for that. So I remember getting the phone call saying Jay is in and he was with Simon Wright who again is a fantastic Welsh foodie person and they were having dinner, I think they'd done the one show or something. So mm. we were like, oh my God. That must be quite a load on all of a sudden. It's yeah. quite a lot because yeah. the thing about the classroom, it's based in the college so it's, it's students. We're training students uh, to go into catering and hospitality to hopefully work at all the top places in the world by giving them that real life experience. So they're open lunch times and evenings. Please go there, they're fantastic. I don't work for them anymore, but they are lovely, lovely people. Go and give these kids a shot. You're not gonna be paying mega bucks. Um, but yeah, Jay came and ate that. So we were absolutely bricking it at this point. Yeah, that's because a valid response. Yes. Some, somebody of that level, he'd probably deny this, but they can make or break a restaurant. Hmm. But what happened after was absolutely insane because Jay made a comment in there about uh, he I mean, he loved the restaurant. He was very very nice about the restaurant. That's the that's the that's, that's the main, main part here, yes. Um, but his overall view of Cardiff, and I think he put a little throwaway line in there mm. about what he thought about the rest of Cardiff, wasn't great. And of course, Wales Online jumped on it because mm. it's a local story. Totally, yeah. Big Londoner comes down to Cardiff, does a thing, says nasty things. It's a great headline. So they then phone up all the bloggers they know, go, what do you think of what Jay Rayner has said? And it became this whole thing. And there was a big backlash against Jay on Twitter, completely uncalled for. Mm. That was my um, that was my feeling about it. As in, it's it's fine, guys. No, don't worry it's about fine. it. It's fine, calm down. Yeah. Um was the point valid? I think that food in Cardiff in the time I've lived here about 15 years, it's certainly got a lot better. Hmm. Um, there was certainly a lot more options out there now. Uh, it's certainly a lot more diverse now. So you've got lots more fine dining than I think you used to. Yeah. A lot more big names who are in Cardiff now. And it's starting to raise that profile, but we, we don't have a Michelin star. Um, was that his point? His point was like, there's not, I mean, I imagine it's based on more experience going back further because he's yeah. been with us for quite a while. But like, I think I mentioned Dan Thomas, then I realised afterwards that um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'll, put, I'll put that at the end of the podcast he's in, so don't worry. Yeah. I've, 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 I've owned up fully. But the gist I got was that he was saying, you know, I didn't actually read the review, I just saw the backlash because I, yeah. I, I came late to the game. It was, all, it was buried by that point. Like, what, what, are we, what are we talking about? What's happened? <laughs> and I liked it. I, I love his withering scorn yes, and stuff. And yeah. um, and it just was, uh, compared to places like London's, Edinburgh's, Manchester's, the big cities. Even compared to somewhere like Bristol. Bristol is very buzzing. It's very diverse. It's got a lot of, it's got a very different food culture to Cardiff, even though mm. geographically we're quite close. Um, yeah, he was making that point of, it's it's good, but it's not punching at that level yet. Yes, no, I feel like that was fair. I mean, especially if he's going, if, he, if he's talking about the last twenty years of Cardiff. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, now it seems like the last three or four years we've suddenly gone a little oh bit. Oh God, to... yeah, it's exploded in the <laughs> yeah. last three years. So we've, um, we've got the Ivy now, which is <laughs> it's like what wow. really? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it 
it was really, really weird. And of course, my job managing that social media hmm. was let's focus on what the kids are doing, guys. Let's bring it back. Okay, you can all be mad at Jay, but let's come back to what this restaurant is doing. Hmm because this is the next generation of chefs. These are kids that you're talking about, so please don't be rude about my restaurant, <laughs> yeah. um, because these are teenagers that you're effectively... Yeah, that's, that's um, fair. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really, really difficult, because Wales Online, as far as I know, I'm not sure whether they wanted to speak to anybody at the classroom, would have been handed over to our PR team anyway, but it was all focused on Jay, hmm. and trying to keep that momentum going of, we've had a Guardian, this is amazing yeah. without focusing on and Jay said one mean thing about Cardiff and everybody's gone insane was hard. And I, <laughs> I will say, I mean I've I flagged that before, but I did think the, the backlash was it seemed to have a very clearly cynical motivation in that yes, he said something an, an offhand disparaging comment about Cardiff, but mm. he's you know he's one guy, he has his opinions, but yeah. I don't think that requires a, a massive backlash. And, and it, I certainly didn't do us any favours in trying to get London media to come and review the precisely. many, many good places that are in South Wales. Because if we're going to act like children every time somebody comes that in and says something yeah, yeah. Um, they're not going to come back. But yeah, trying to, if we want people to come and review our restaurants, then we have to... Simmer down a bit, guys. Yeah, I mean, I felt one review. Yeah, and I felt a similar thing. Like, you know, we, we the whole point of this endeavor of mine is to sort of combat well stereotypes, yeah. but portraying ourselves as these hypersensitive, how dare you types yeah. isn't helpful, I think. No. And I think, and again, I know people work at Wales Online, I know it's a media platform trying its best to get attention and review and clicks, which it needs to survive, mm. but. That's me very much. Oh, if we slag off the big London guy, we can get lots of uh, lots of traffic from this. Mm. And I don't think that's necessarily how things should work. And I'm, I'd rather I they, they didn't. didn't. Yeah, I'd rather they didn't. Um, I know it does work like that, but but yeah. So th- that was that was weird. It was a weird, probably month. Um, yeah, it was a long one. Trying to like keep a lid with those students and trying to keep them all happy and healthy and hmm. safe and everything. Um, but they've they've had some fantastic opportunities there. We also had Nadia Hussein, uh, who is wonderful. She won Great British Bake Off. She came down and did Nadia some came. Not Nadia. Show. Of course, Not Nadia. Yeah. Um, She's so amazing. She came down and did some stuff for the one show for Easter. She made a huge chocolate mm. bunny with some of the students. <laughs> that was very exciting. I was absolutely gutted. I wasn't allowed to meet her because I would have just fangirled. <laughs> yeah. I love her. Um, but yeah, they they're getting a lot more high profile. And I just keep coming back to these are kids. These are kids trying to get into the industry. Please be nice to them. That's Otherwise, great, they're going to quit and do yeah. something else. And you might you might have lost we the can, next Hester. We might have lost our Michelin star chef. We might as have well. lost our Michelin star chef. <laughs> Which yeah. is uh, really counterproductive, I think. That's that's really good. So that's the classroom. Uh, so that's the classroom at hmm. Cardiff and Vale College. And um, Kay, if you're listening, I'll I'll expect my. I did want to plug it because I am trying to get attention to local stuff there. Hey, speaking of, um, so you, is it just Cardiff you do or do you venture, venture out further with um, regards to your food blogging? Well, I, haven't, I haven't properly blogged in a very, very long time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, just wherever we go. I know that we went on holiday to Barcelona, so I was writing things about Barcelona. But yeah, my passion is for where is good in Cardiff that I can eat for cheap. Hmm. But obviously, if I go to, we go to Manchester a couple of times a year, so there's, there's lots of good places in Manchester. Hmm. Uh, started having to go to Birmingham a bit for work now. So, again, just reaching out to the food bloggers that I know in these different <laughs> cities and going, please, I don't want to end up in a harvester tonight. <laughs> please, where can hmm. I eat that's local and yeah. good? Because left hmm. to my own devices, I will just go to the place that's next to the hotel. Oh, yeah, I do that. Um, if I leave the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, just ending up in mm. a, a Weatherspoons mm. having, like, a depressing microwave pasta would just not be, mm. not be what I want. I, got, I will say I go to Harvester semi-regularly because, <laughs> purely because of the salad bar, because my kids, uh, paradoxically, are very big fans of vegetables. Oh, and my daughter amazing. gets through a body weight in cucumbers every week. So. Wow. Really <laughs> Why cucumbers? Cool. I don't know. Olives, too. She loves them. Really olives weird. are great. Yeah. Olives and brown, though. Uh, like, uh, yes, she, we went yeah. to Turkey on holiday and they had a big olive buffet, you know, sort of yeah. every type, but she didn't like any of those because they all had lemon on them or some <sighs> exotic. I mean, I like them, but uh, ex- they're all more she exotic. She's so disappointed. Yeah, she's like, oh, I don't like any of these. <laughs> but there was a tray of chicken nuggets, so that was yes, fine. <laughs> but, 
So do you have any way, Tickman Cardiff, you would like to recommend outside of the classroom, of course? I mean, it's just loving what uh, Phil, who runs Dusty Knuckle, and uh, particularly what he's doing with Dark Side at the moment. If you are uh, a meat eater, please go and try that offal. It's amazing. If you're not a meat eater, he does the most amazing uh, veggie and vegan dishes doesn't relegate it to like a side salad mm. uh, we went there the other week and had some amazing uh, uh, deep fried artichokes um, and he, they just do the best donuts there they do a different donut every day mm. uh, so we went there a couple of weeks ago and they were doing a crunchy nut cornflake donut and it was delicious uh, I really wish we were recording this before lunch, honestly. I know. Well, I, don't, I almost <laughs> felt like apologising because I haven't turned up with lots of food. And again, that's the Welsh Italian in me. Like, I have to bring something right. Oh, God, yeah, it's a tick, isn't it? Um. <laughs> honestly, it's fine. I wouldn't expect you're doing me a favour. You don't have to bring me stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, what they're doing is fantastic. I think there's a lot of stuff going on with street food that's quite interesting at the moment. Um, if you want the best sandwich in Cardiff, please just go to New York Deli. It yes. will feed you for a week. Been there. Yes. They have been there for years this year. It's one of the first places I found when I moved here. And it has fed me through the good times and the bad. And mm. I fully recommend the meatball grinder. Absolutely uh, sublime, yes. With the hot sauce or the Cardiff Devil's hoagie. Yes, that's my go-to. Um, Thank you. <laughs> hey, we're in sync here. I like this. They've just started doing vegan pastrami. So if you are a vegan, there's lots and mm. lots of lovely things to eat there as well. Um, and then just a shout out to Dave and Lee, who run Pettigrew Tea Rooms and Pettigrew Bakery. They are some of the nicest people you could ever meet. Um, David just dreamt of having his own tea room. Again, <laughs> met him on Twitter and... I remember seeing the photos of all the furniture and everything stacked up in his house before he could open this dream place. And it's it's fantastic. They do fantastic breakfast. The cake is amazing. And they, again, they're all just the nicest, nicest people. Great. Well, that's what you want, really, isn't it? Yes. If you go, yeah. I mean, I think there is some sort of charm in going to a restaurant with a really arsehole cook just yelling off but there that's, is, that's and more experience there's probably lots of them yeah. um, I've, I've worked in a couple of kitchens myself I've done waitressing in my time as well and I've, I've seen chefs running around after the front of house like waving knives and things so <clears> there <throat> are definitely the temperamental yeah. chefs out there yeah. <laughs> if I give a shout out if everyone ever ventures down to the Ogmore area to the Ogmore Castle there's a Cobbles Deli en route uh, they do one of the best vegan breakfasts it's award winning and it's odds I'll be cooked by Sean Burnett aka Mam. So uh, she's uh, she's she's celebrated for her sudden later life conversion to yes. vegan cooking. So that's really cool. <laughs> so you haven't blogged for a while. So um, is, are you going to say why that is? Or um, a little bit of life got in the way. A little bit of it stopped being fun. Mm, that's something I'm sort of concerned about. It's it's got to the stage where when you're looking at and we talked about earlier with the influencing and stuff it became a bit of a full-time job yeah it does now doesn't it when i'm trying to hold a job down i was working lots of fixed term jobs at the time so i was having to reapply for my contract every six months and uh just getting into a new relationship and yeah it was it stopped being fun and it started to feel a bit like a chore particularly when people are saying you need to monetize you need to work on your SEO, you need to be on the top page of Google. And I'm like, this is a full-time job. Mm. And I have one of those that pays me money. <laughs> and I, mm. I don't want another one that doesn't pay me money. And don't get me wrong, I've, I've managed to write for some wonderful places. I've been to amazing things, met brilliant people. But if it's not paying my bills, I'm not spending 40 hours a week. <laughs> Particularly Generally, your TikTok right. and your Instagram and your mm. Facebook page and everything. And honestly, I, I don't really miss it. I like going out and just having my dinner, mm. still taking my photos, still posting them on Instagram, um, but not necessarily worrying about what's my Google ranking this week. Yeah, I get so much spam on my website. Like, you could be on top of the Google. Like, oh, I, don't I still really... get that now and I'm <laughs> not interested. <laughs> Pretty sure everyone does Google Demon and I am the top one because there aren't you know, that many high profile ones. <laughs> Not that I'm especially high profile, but compared to the average Dean Manette, I guess yeah. I must be. <laughs> which is uh, which is fair enough. So do you see yourself going back to it or do you think it's um just some nice nice to keep it casual? 
nice to keep it casual. I mean, I did some writing for an uh, uh, online website a few years ago called The Mouthful. It was great fun. It was very anarchic. We very kind of something stupid would come out in the news. So somebody's invented, uh, I think one of the ones I wrote about was uh, crisps for girls. Uh, that Doritos were saying about they were maybe going right. to bring out and they, they I... were smaller and they didn't have as many crumbs and they were yeah. messy and they were quieter. So I wrote this whole thing about that. I saw that. Um, I assumed it was a piss take. Oh, no. The, the CEO of Doritos genuinely wanted to have girl crisps. That was, that was a real thing? That was a real oh, thing. Oh, that's yeah. horrifying. Because, <laughs> it was horrifying. I just assumed it, that was some sort of elaborate yeah. wind-up. So... Because, yeah, you have all of because these, crisps. <laughs> because crisps. But yeah. they, they found out that they were looking at the demographic of who buys Doritos and it's mainly young men. Hmm. And they thought this was a problem. <laughs> so they were trying to come up with, why don't women buy Doritos? I, I have no idea why women don't buy Doritos <laughs> or any other corn-based snack. Yeah. Trying to come up with, hmm. oh, we need to make them smaller and quieter and less messy. And hmm. it just seemed absolutely insane. And it came back to like the big pens that's oh, yeah. for like dainty girl yeah. hands and things. It might be helpful if you just, you know, trying to help create a society where women aren't completely demonised for gaining a pound in weight at any point. Yes. So that might be, uh, you know. Oh, God, it just <laughs> reminds me of um, the Mariah Carey Christmas advert for Walkers, where she's clearly not eating a crisp. Like, Mariah okay. Carey has never eaten a crisp. <laughs> oh, my God, that's um, probably true, isn't it? So they did this whole advert, and she very, very gingerly at the end, like, puts the crisp to her lip and pretends to bite, and you're like, you are not eating that crisp. Mariah Carey does not eat salt and vinegar walkers or any other crisp. She's never eaten a crisp. Mm. That's probably quite true as well. That's, that's <laughs> horrifying. It's, um, but I will say, minor caveat there, that I know people who do a lot of filming and things, and if you have to film a scene where you're eating something, you often see people eating very delicately, very daintily. Yes, yeah. Because you're like three, three or four, five, six, seven, eight takes. You have to eat the same thing every time. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, Mariah Carey doing eight takes no, of anything. No, no. <laughs> oh, good. I'm, I'm glad you're yeah. still, still your hand in, but I'm not... Too. It's also nice people like to speak to someone who isn't like, well, I must be the best at this, I must be number one, because that's not necessarily a healthy attitude, because... It's not, and like, I... I'm just going to like drop a couple of clans now because mm. yeah I was Wales Online had uh, the Wales Blog Award so in 2011 I was named one of the top food bloggers in Wales which mm. is very nice so I've got uh, no expense spared uh, A4 printout certificate in a clip frame from Ikea very very bizarre but yeah it's nice mm. memories but I just I don't have the time for it now mm. and it's I don't have money to spend <laughs> on it and I also don't just want to eat where somebody wants to send me for free that's true yeah because um, you're not going to I always prefer to pay my way in because I've yes, been offered to yeah. also I will say don't apologise for name dropped like that. I've made you come here. <laughs> I've made you come here and sit amongst my certificates and awards on the wall. So I don't think I have any sort of uh, moral high ground when it comes to guess what I've done. <laughs> dragged you all this way. Um, but yeah, it's. I've always preferred to like. I've been uh, if I'm because I'm reasonably well known blogger or Twitter type person. I said you can come sit in the front with the other reporters and big names. So, no, I want to sit where the people sit because yes. I don't think. That therefore I get a I get a favorable review or whatever it is they want me to talk about, yeah. and I, I, I always sort of buy the merchandise stuff because I don't it's, it's not I, it's not I for me. I don't. Think that yeah. Sometimes if you, if you're not aware of how restaurant launches work, mm. um, I've been to some very nice ones where you just take them to a table, you give them some food, and you can you're just left alone. Yeah, and that's lovely. I've also <laughs> been to the big kind of like warehouse styles where they've <clears> just <throat> packed as many people in, and there's usually some kind of very very loud entertainment. You don't get to try any of the dishes because they're serving canapes. Mm. You can buy none of the canapes if you go. So you're not really getting no, that's not a... any idea what the restaurant is yeah, about. I don't what know what like. that so is. So honestly, don't go opening week. The staff are all still bedding in. Uh, leave it a couple of months. They'll probably have a high turnover of staff in the first few weeks anyway. They're ironing out all the kinks. The paint probably hasn't dried yet because they're desperate to open. Go in a few weeks. It'll mm. have calmed down. Sheffield of sorted out all the kinks and everything and you'll probably get a much better meal yeah. I went to a pub in Cardiff recently with that exact problem it's a, <laughs> one of the new trendy microbrewery places uh, and I walked in and my mate Simon he goes literally smells of paint in here yeah <laughs> the, most the, new the, restaurants I've been yeah. in still smell of paint yeah but this one had exposed <laughs> wires and stuff like you shouldn't have opened yet this is clearly no, are you sure that's just not the, the kind of industrial look they were going for 
You know what? In hindsight, I can't be sure of that. It, I'm not sure. It was a pub. Maybe just a bloke's van or something. This is a bar coming in. This is my moonshine. So, um, just to end off, basically, uh, do you have any particular insights or views about sort of Welsh cuisine and you know what? What, whereabouts? One of the things that I used to get asked about on the blog, particularly in Cardiff, and it's really, really difficult to signpost people to what is Welsh mm. food. We like, do amazing produce, so I would say that our lamb is the best in the world. Yeah, I've heard people say that. Um, our beef from, there's some great beef farmers down in Gower. Um, we've got people doing great things with mushrooms. Mm. Of all things. Um, and our seafood is amazing. But I can't really tell you what Welsh cuisine is. Yeah. There's a couple, there's a couple of dishes that people would know, mm. like cowl or uh, lava bread. I'm a big fan of lava bread and cockles. I think more people yes. should be serving it. Please have more lava bread yeah. and cockles, more seafood in general. I maintain that lava bread is a lovely ingredient in things. Uh, eat it by itself is a bit of a struggle oh no you've no. got to have it fried up with cockles and bacon it's yeah, yeah. that's what I mean yeah yeah. my father used to own a hotel and um, they did a Welsh breakfast it mm. was bacon with um, cockles fried in lava bread and it and was just the... more Glamorgan sausages in general oh those are good yeah. sausages are fantastic yeah yeah, I think but people think Welsh we think Welsh rabbit, it's cheese on toast. Nice it's cheese on toast. It's just cheese on toast. No, it's cheese on toast with beer in it, which makes it better. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what makes it Welsh. <laughs> you put beer in this one, I'm going to. That's not me. Our cuisine seems simple. I think, I guess, compared to the elaborate stuff of the French yeah. and Italians, it would be, but... but... I mean, you could say that about all British cuisine. Yeah, like, yeah it's not just a Welsh regional thing. regional things, like you talk about Lancashire hot pot, if you go down to London, people genuinely eat jelly deals, which I find fascinating <laughs> um, that was a very diplomatic thing to oh, say yeah. it's it's an interesting looking dish <laughs> yeah. um but can you tell us what british cuisine is and why isn't british cuisine the italian food that mm. the welsh italians are coming up with why isn't it the amazing british indian curries why isn't it the amazing british chinese food that's coming out from... yeah it's all fusion stuff isn't yeah. it yeah so I think what, what British food and what Welsh food is really, really good at is picking and choosing what we like. Yeah. We, we, um, and then kind of like smushing it all together. And it's delicious. Fusion cuisine is the best kind. I went to Malaysia, and I've never been, but um, uh, Penang, like it's the, it's like the, the centre. Basically, yeah. Malaysia, it was a, it's a part of Asia where, I think it was explained to me, the British Empire got that far and the Middle East encroaches there and the... Chinese influence. Oh, so everybody just got there and had a big party. So it's basically it's like and all those three, those three influences born. all yeah. just merged together, and it's like the food. It's all street food. Like restaurants are there, but they're for tourists. Yes. And yeah. I've got a friend from there who said like I've only ever had food poison there once in a restaurant. All yeah. the street food is so <laughs> it's, it's such a turnover. It's everything. Nothing stays out for long. It's no, like it's all. No. It's incredible stuff. It's like, this is all just amazing. It's, it's the one thing I've been told about street food, always fit the busiest store mm. because it'll be cooked the freshest. If you go to a quiet one, it may have been sat there a while. Yeah. My wife had some duck then. It tasted like, it was like the texture and quality of steak, Ooh. but it was like, it was like incredible. She still talks about it. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but I would say the best meal I ever had, I think was Italy. It was very, that or Malaysia, we had them, um, went to the, on a little island for a bit and... There were little shacks in the front. They were just barbecuing fish and banana leaves, which they just caught. They, yeah. I saw a little Malaysian boy come out the sea with a cuttlefish on a, on a rod, and he was singing Lady Gaga's Bad Romance. Said, oh, <laughs> this is this is this is a strange experience. Yeah. <laughs> we it's approached... really tasty food. Oh, it was delicious. But also Italy was one when it, it was um, seafood pasta stuff, mm. and it's like I ate it. It goes, I can't believe that was as good as it was. I had to order it again. Yeah. And I tried to convince the chef that's what I meant, or the, the waiter, because they weren't speaking English. I no. Again, and it's like, you see them going, yeah, that's what you had, is, again, like... Yeah, more. Like, like, eventually, <laughs> more. Eventually they said, just give him another one, because I think that's what he wants. Maybe he's just losing his mind. I didn't, I guess I have to eat that again. It was just phenomenally. But, yeah, yeah so it's... Um, a good meal can be really quite memorable, can't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. Remember your best one ever? Or was that far too hard to say? Um, there was a little place in camp many, many years ago on King's Road called Patagonia. It was a little place, isn't it? Always a little place, oh, place I find. It was absolutely fantastic. I, but they just did, and all I remember is ordering, they had sweetbreads as a starter with a truffle fondant potato, and it is honestly the nicest thing I have ever eaten. Wow. That is probably about 12 years ago. But I still remember just being in this mm. little tiny dimly lit restaurant on King's Road 
and having this dish and thinking, yes, this is fantastic. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, that's very good. That's like an emotional, evocative memory, which yeah, obviously is, yeah. that's where our worlds combine, I guess. That would, that would, <laughs> that's what yeah, I do. That would, that would probably be on my, like, when you ask people, like, what, what would be your last meal? And it would probably be, nice. that would feature on there somewhere because it was amazing. Cool. So, well, that uh, discussion of a pleasant death. <laughs> I think I'm gonna thank you, <coughs> Nikki, thank you. for coming and doing this. Really thank appreciate you very it. Much. And now I need to get some lunch because I'm absolutely ravenous now. Because yes. that was. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Nikki, Nikki Grierson. Uh, found it afterwards. That was her first ever podcast, and you wouldn't think it, would you? She sounds way more experienced and polished than than I do. Anyway. That's really a high bar to clear, but she cleared it quite nicely. Yes, lovely Nikki. Check out her blogs and all those other things. And check out the places she mentioned in Cardiff, if as and when you can, of course. We're in a lockdown right now. There was the classroom, of course, uh, New York Deli, Dusty Knuckle, uh, Pettigrew Tea Rooms and Bakery. And also check out, like, I Loves the Diff and We Are Cardiff on Twitter and things. And um, I'll put those links on the website. Uh, obviously, we're all in lockdown right now, so going out and eating is a bit of a bit of an ask but uh, we'll clarify that Dusty Knuckle and Pettigrew Bakery are doing deliveries right now so do check those out for local produce in Cardiff and support local businesses obviously independents need your support now more than ever uh, a couple of things you learned from Nikki there other than just the restaurant recommendations is uh, don't go opening week uh, to a restaurant and I, th- I think that makes perfect sense when I think about it uh, my father-in-law always says uh, you should always go twice to a place before ruling it out completely. Obviously, you need more data to make a firm decision. Science, you know, because one instance could be just bad luck on their part. Uh, and, you, know, you could have had just a bad meal by just pure happenstance. But, you know, if it happens twice, then it's just something is more structurally or fundamentally wrong. Uh, this is, of course, assuming you have the time, the money and the resources to eat uh, in one place more than once. Uh, you know, some people don't get out that often. In laws are retired, so at least they have the flexibility to do that. Interesting me to hear about the shift in blogging and other platforms because I haven't been a Guardian blogger for over two years now. And again, even when I was a Guardian blogger, that was the major platform. So I was kind of shielded from all the changes and shifts at the, you know, at the grassroots level. I guess um, the changes uh, to, you know, to the platforms via social media and all the big influencers there is a bit of a mixed bag. It allows more people than ever to do it if you can just use a Facebook account rather than set up your own website or a blog on an unknown wet network, perhaps. It's all far more consistent and controlled by big organisations like Facebook or Instagram now, and um, I feel that something of the variety and flexibility has been lost, and that's not necessarily good. Uh, it remains to be seen how this will look in the future, particularly after this pandemic, when countless people have developed the habit of producing online content, so presumably there's more changes down the line. Might be a bit cynical and maybe even misinformed on my part, but I still think I still stand by my comments on influencer culture. I know I sound like the classic old man yells at cloud stereotype, but I do struggle to get my head around the concept of someone being an influencer with no clear or obvious reason as to why people should be influenced by them. Humans aren't intensely social species, and our powerful brains mean we regularly learn how the world works and modify our behaviours accordingly by observing others. So, in a sense, yes, influencers are influencing people so the title is valid in some respects but if you're going to delve into that level of technicalities literally every human being is an influencer so it becomes largely meaningless i'm not saying that modern influencers don't have influence but i remain skeptical as to how much and the mechanism behind it i fear influencer culture is based largely on a set of shared fantasy that everyone's just going along with for now that could come crumbling down the moment someone starts questioning it apologies if me saying this has just done exactly that also, I think I feel a bit more confident now about clarifying the difference between genuine offence and cynical attention-seeking offence, which was um, something I flagged up with Dan last week. Like, like I've said a few times now, my saying the Welsh are thin-skinned may well have been the result of this, tarring us all the same brush. Uh, Robert Ince, iconic figurehead of the Cosmic Shambles Network, of which this podcast is a part, he had a similar experience once when he came back after touring the world and commented in, in the media interview, how it's a bit of a mental shift to go from New York, Rome, Paris, and then Crawley, like a small town in England, and the local Crawley media tore him a new one. It was uh, clearly a deeply cynical effort to generate attention and publicity at someone else's expense. So he ended up with loads of, you know, unpleasant abuse from the residents of Crawley, who take these things quite seriously, Um, which is completely unwarranted. I mean, there are other examples of this, which will come in future episodes, I think. It is, I feel, far too common, but 
seriously unpleasant tactic these days. And speaking of, uh, clearly there are those in the Welsh media who will happily pull this trick too, and perhaps because we're so often seen as, and often present ourselves as, one homogenous mass rather than a country of wildly different communities, cultures and backgrounds, it's easier or more likely to include the Welsh, quote, quote, are all upset about one particular thing rather than one specific group or individual in the local media is whipping up anger at an innocuous thing for cynical reasons and presuming to speak for the whole country, which is actually what's going on. And thus conclude that the Welsh are too sensitive a people. It is apparently an easy mistake to make, or at least it's an easy mistake for me to make. I'll try to do better from now on, but remember, I'm very tired. For more details about my own efforts and where to find me, you can go to deanbonnet.com. It's all on there. Uh, for updates about the podcast or to get in touch for whatever reason, you can contact me at smartwelshpeople at gmail.com or you can follow the podcast on Twitter at smartwelshpod. As ever, this podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. For more podcasts, blogs, documentaries and the ongoing stay-at-home festival, as well as my own new neuroscience-themed video series, This Is Your Brain on Lockdown, which explains why what's happening to you is happening to you during this whole mess, visit CosmicShambles.com. The Cosmic Shambles Network is supported by your pledges on Patreon. You can support this podcast and everything we do at Cosmic Shambles for as little as $1 a month and get some great rewards for doing so. Pledge now at Patreon.com forward slash Bookshambles. See you again soon. Dior from Bauer.